Welcome everyone to Mama Pang's Parenting Podcast. Today I have a guest with me, Erin Hurst, who is a registered dietitian. She's here to talk to us about um, a feeding construct. So it's something very new to me, and I hope that uh, we learn a lot in this. So Erin, welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So glad you could be here. Um, So give us a little bit of a background on you. Tell us a little bit of your history. Sure. So I am a registered dietitian. Um, This is actually a second career for me. So I've come to this later in life and have just a huge interest and love and passion for this. And I think that that helps me stay current and explore things that are not necessarily within conventional wisdom. Gotcha. Um, my focus as a dietitian is actually on gastrointestinal health and eating disorders and various forms of eating instruction are hmm. really helpful in dealing with different kinds of GI function as well as treatment within various types of eating, eating disorders. And so even though I don't focus exclusively on children, there's so much transferable information available to how we treat children, how we treat ourselves, how we manage up in terms of um, taking knowledge and nourishing ourselves in the best way we know how and how we can use that also to really inform how we are parenting our children Mm -hmm. through their own nourishment. Right. Oh, very, very good. You know, kids are always watching us and they're always listening, right? So... um, our relationship with food is so transferable to kids. Absolutely. And and um, I come from a long line of I think eating disorders. Uh, we could we could unravel that one, um, but it, it's so important the way kids learn to interact with food. Absolutely. And and their own well being. And um, I don't know if this is still true. Back in the day when my daughter was little, um, the the information that was out there was that. If you had good eating habits up through age five, that you were really, that was kind of setting a stage for later in life. Do you know if that still applies? That's a really good question, and I'd like to look it up. <laughs> we need to have our, our phones on so we could check that one out. I'm just curious, so that, that'll be a fun one to circle back to. Um, so tell me about this this feeding, um, I'm going to get the name of it wrong, Ellen said. Satay? Ellen Satter. 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 Tell me about this. Sure. So this particular eating style um, was created by um, Ellen Satter. Um, she is a also a registered dietitian. She focuses on um, feeding families and children, and she has a lot of research, a lot of educational information for both caregivers and professionals like myself, as well as information available for families. So there's a lot of the science and the formal construct of it, in addition to how people can put this in practice within their own families. So what we're discussing today is a concept called the division of responsibility. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, what I like to say is this is giving the parents the structure and keeping them empowered in such a way that they're able to offer their children what they feel is most nourishing while the children gets get all of the children get to maintain their autonomy in terms of choosing what they want to eat within what's been offered how much they want to eat and 
being able to then have a conversation, age appropriate of course, about how it makes them feel or maybe why they chose something. So there's less force mm-hmm. and more their choice. Gotcha. So nobody's sitting at the dinner table saying, you will eat your liver or your green beans or your yeah, correct thinking of things I don't like. Um. <laughs> and no one is sitting there saying one last bite. Yes. Yes. Which feels so, um, it's just, it's such a stressor for the parent, right? It is. It's a stressor for the parent because oftentimes the parent is putting their own judgment on, did you get enough? Are you mm-hmm. eating enough? Did you get the right things? Is this an appropriate balance? And the child no longer has the opportunity to say, my belly is full. I want to listen to my body. Right. Somebody else telling you, take one last bite, is you taking instruction from something outside of yourself and saying, okay, well, I must need one last bite to grow big, grow strong, whatever right. the judgment that the parent has put forward. Mm-hmm. And it's not... Most of the time, obviously, it's not done in such a way that we're trying to take any autonomy away from our children. We want to do the best we can for them. But what we don't realize is putting some of that external expectation on them is taking away some of the inborn, inherent knowledge that they have about what it is that they need in that moment to feel well. So um, that's so important like to get kids to listen to themselves. And I know um, that external concept, right, of you have to eat one more bite and then you can have dessert or you can, you know, it, it's it's um, it's that taking away, like you said, their sense to listen to their own bodies. Am I full? Um, do I like this? Um, is this kind of, you know, kind of filling me up as far as what I need? Now, how do you help parents that are of the old mindset? How would you explain to them that kids can kind of come at this and learn pretty easily? Like, how do you help them? I'm trying to say is, um, I think parents get stuck thinking, well, they're the only people that know what's right for their child to eat, mm-hmm. right? How do you kind of help parents maybe see that differently? What should I be telling them, I guess? Sure. So. I think going back to the basics of what the division of responsibility really is can be really helpful. And part of it is the parents get to set the structure, okay. the time of the day, mm-hmm. and what is being offered. And so okay. that is still the parent's responsibility mm-hmm. and something that should be very empowering to a parent to say, I still get to choose the variety that my child gets to eat. Okay. And I am also making the choice to trust my child. So I am going to put in front of them a variety, maybe five or six different things in small portion sizes. We gotcha. don't want to overwhelm the children. So we don't want, you know, five or six is actually quite a lot. That might work better for an older child. Um, if we're talking about toddler, maybe you're choosing three or four different things, mm-hmm. um, small portions so that they're not overwhelmed. And then they choose from that what and how much they want to eat and how long it takes them to eat. Oh, yes. We've all had that horrible battle where the child has sat at the dinner table. You know, it's like daylight to darkness almost. Mm-hmm. And you're like, that was futile. Right. And that leaves everybody feeling defeated. Yeah. Yeah, overwhelmed, defeated, and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Something that I 
think is fun for the kids is also taking like a muffin tin, for example. So if we're looking at kind of a standard muffin, not the giants, not the minis. <laughs> Reel it back St- <laughs> <laughs> Standard muffin tin. And maybe it's a, you know, just a six tin. Mm-hmm. And then you're putting a variety of food in there. So you've got some grapes and some carrots, maybe um, some nuts, crackers, um, chocolate chips. Mm. Um, and one other thing, I don't know, we could choose whatever. And within that, then the conversation with the child is, this is what we have available for lunch. Nice. This is what we're choosing. You can have how much or how little you choose Mm -hmm. within this. And depending on the child's age, you can even start the conversation of, what do you like about that? Yes. And ask them, is it sweet or salty? Mm -hmm. Or how does it make you feel? Um, and giving them some language around it so the child can also understand what and how. Something that informs me, and this is not specific to Ellen Satter, but I think is so important in feeding ourselves and in learning, or excuse me, teaching our children how to trust themselves too, is taking the moral value away from food and making sure that we have access to what it is in across the spectrum, all varieties of food. So there's not necessarily good food and bad food, it all fits. There's not necessarily treats in the sense that if you finish dinner, you get to have dessert because that is increasing, for example, the moral value of dessert or it makes it seem like, well, I only get it every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And what we know, for example, within the eating disorder world is that the quickest way to lead to what may be a perceived overconsumption or a binge is to restrict. And children demonstrate this on a regular basis. If there is really strong rigidity within the home and they don't get chips or soda or brownies, but then they go to their friend's house and that's what's available and that's the only thing that they choose to eat. Mm -hmm. If it was something that they had access to on a regular basis, it wouldn't have that same sensational quality to it. Right, right. And so perhaps maybe they do want to have a brownie. That's not making them unhealthy. It's not making them a bad child. It's not making them act or behave any differently, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. It's giving them the opportunity to say, I want this and here's why I want it. And more often than not, they also get the opportunity to say, I don't want this right now. Right, right. That, that option. And I think for, whoops, for so many of us, we've um, parented around food, like you said, the way we were parented. And um, those concerns of that overconsumption or that over, if they've never learned what it feels like to feel full, right, to be aware of that sensation, then they're going to bypass it. They're going to override it. Um, I know when I was teaching, I had a situation where a child um, was was going through some struggles because he did have some issues with weight, and this was kindergarten, and it, it was a significant issue for him. It affected his playtime. It affected, you know, things that he wanted to be able to do, and the mom and I were talking about it, and it, that sense of never knowing when you're full, like like 
paying close enough attention to your body was one of the biggest pieces for her to realize, to be able to say, well, will he be able to? And I'm like, yeah, I, I think he can, but you have to let him know, you know, at five, if he's never said, oh, my tummy feels full, what does that feel like? You know, and do you, ex- do you experiment with like, um, let's drink a, a bottle of water and see if we can tell how our belly feels full and, and pay attention to that sensation. Does that seem appropriate? Yes and no. Okay. We definitely want children to explore. They need to explore right. what that feels like. But getting a sense of fullness from a bottle of water is not the same thing as fullness that you would get from eating a handful of nuts. True. Or from eating potato chips or eating an entire Happy Meal, for mm-hmm. example, or getting too full on grapes. All of these provide different sensations because they each also provide a different nutrient value to them. And those nutrients digest differently within our body. So sometimes the conversation with a child can be, how do you want to feel? Maybe we get to eat some grapes and they give us a lot of energy. Maybe you really want something crunchy right now. That is, we all know that children are really learning and experiencing with all of their senses. So that crunch and texture might be really important. So crackers or nuts might work a little bit better in that sense. And all of these things can help inform the different sensations. But asking the child how they're feeling Mm -hmm. is definitely something that is important and, and instills within them the trust that they can learn within their own body and demonstrates that the parent trusts them too. Right. Good point. Sometimes establishing that trust between the parent and the child is really one thing that can diffuse some of those stressful situations at a table. Something else that I think is really important within this structure is that the actual structure of mealtime is something that the parents set. Gotcha. So... All of the main meals are with free of most distractions and at set times, and this is really important for young children, toddlers for example, they thrive on that structure. Right. And snack time is the same. It's as much distraction free as possible. And and so distraction free screens Right. Television. <laughs> Turn off um, your own phone. Mm-hmm. Yes, all of those, all of those things. Um, and engaging the social quality also of the mealtime is very important. Um, but then having the structure and then allowing the child to choose and be able to really empower them to say, I trust that you are going to take what you need right now. Mm-hmm. And you're not saying those words every single time, obviously. But you're demonstrating that. Um, Outside of this particular model, one thing that I think is incredibly important for parents to demonstrate is that they also trust themselves. And so a lot of times parents have to do a lot of their own work Mm -hmm. around eating and nourishing themselves and learning how to manage their own judgments about food and about their own body image 
and what they feel is, I'm using air quotes if you could see me, <laughs> healthy and unhealthy, mm-hmm. taking away the good and bad connotations of food so that you're not passing those judgments on to your child. Right. The child gets to choose. And let's be honest, it changes over time. Oh, man. A child needs a lot, a lot of exposures to food. So just because they didn't accept a food the first time doesn't mean that they won't the third time, the fifth time, the 15th time. Right, right. It keeps showing back up and then they get a chance to view it differently. They have different taste buds and they suddenly are like, okay, maybe. Or different exposures to it. Maybe somebody at at daycare or at school had it. Right. And and they had a different exposure there. Mm -hmm. And... They thought, oh, well, I mean, our children are very, very social. (laughs) So it's true. (laughs) Maybe a little bit of positive peer pressure in this regard was something that helped them accept it. Right. But we didn't pass that along to them. They came to that through their own understanding and their own experience. Yeah. I think you nailed it when you talked about the fact that parents have a lot of um, kind of unpacking of their own issues around food. Um, I know I certainly do. Um, do you take, like, so I'm thinking if the parents are listening and they're hearing this for the first time, like I'm kind of going through it, um, and that you have all of these questions, all of these ideas and, oh, wow, I hadn't thought of that. Um, do you take like phone calls? Can people reach out to you through an email and say, Hey, Aaron, I heard you and I really want more information. So yes, absolutely. Um, I have an email address at erinhurstwellness at gmail.com. Um, the focus of my interaction would, would be most beneficial in helping the parents right. really unpack some of their ideas and conceptions, maybe put them into perspectives that help and support their goals for feeding their family. Mm -hmm. And let's be really honest, you can't feed your family well if you can't feed yourself well. Right. So it really (laughs) starts at home first, put on your own oxygen mask. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And so that would be the focus of a conversation that I would have. And um, those conversations that I have, the consultations um, that I do um, are either available um, in person or virtually online. That's awesome. Perfect. We get something set up. Perfect. Yeah, because I can imagine, um, you know, parents that are hearing this are thinking, okay, I'm looking for, you know, how do I approach mealtime now? And I think that's the other piece that is a takeaway for me Um, in this busy, rushed, crazy world that we tend to exist in. It's still so important to make that time Mm -hmm. for actual mealtime where you're unplugged and you're, you know, you're able to focus on what's for dinner or what's for lunch or I can't tell you how many times I eat breakfast as I'm walking out the door. Right. Um, I didn't know my car was a place to consume food, but it has become, <laughs> you know, and that's it's that that thought of, wow, just get up five minutes earlier and take that five-minute break if that's what you can do. Um, but parents really are looking for um, those healthy suggestions, mm-hmm. and it starts, as you said, with them and their take on food. So having you as a resource to reach out to to say, hey, Erin, I heard you on Mama Pang's podcast, and I need to look at how I'm viewing food. Mm-hmm. And then from that will come, you know, those possibilities of, of changing the way they feed their family. Mm-hmm. I think it's also really, 
really helpful to let parents and all people understand that it does not have to be complicated. Thank it can God. be simple. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with frozen chicken mm-hmm. and frozen vegetables. Those can be okay. Mm-hmm. We can make selections within our convenience world, and they can still be nourishing to us. But every family and every person gets to decide what is nourishing, and it doesn't have to necessarily be something that society sets as good or bad food. That Did you hear the like collective sigh out there from parents going, oh, you just took me off the hook? That's so awesome. <laughs> like, oh, I can do this. Um, and it is, it is such a gift. I remember um, when our daughter was little, we introduced having, um, what do we call it, smorgasbord night. And it tended to be a Friday or a Saturday where I just really wasn't into cooking. And that, like, taking, letting myself off the hook and just saying, and I remember it was, um, what would we always have? Like, there would be those little, um, oh, they're not sausages, beef jerky bites. Those, mm-hmm. So we had those little beef jerky bites, a bunch of grapes, some cheese, some crackers, um, celery and carrots maybe, and that was just there. And that was the most, like, refreshing take on dinner time. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's kind of what you're saying is feeling comfortable enough to let go, knowing that you're putting some good food out there. See, I said good food, bad construct, coming back. You're putting food out there, and you're able to make those choices. But it is, um, yeah, parents really need to hear this. So... Thank you very much for coming on the show and giving us all this information. One more time for them. Give them a way to reach out and connect with you. Sure. So my email address is erinhurstwellness at gmail.com. I'm available online at erinhurstwellness.com. And my practice is called Erin Hurst Nutrition and Wellness. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you again very, very much, Erin. I really appreciate it. So everyone, thank you for tuning in. Um, I ask that you please subscribe and uh, leave us a review, and you can find the contacts in the links below. Thanks, everyone.